You're listening to The Ascent Podcast, a production of Foothills Church. If there's one characteristic, one defining trait that underscores the tone of our culture today, it's that we seem more polarized than ever before, which begs the question, how can we as Christians better engage in culture? Better yet, how can we influence it? We sat down with lead pastor of Foothills Church, Trent Stewart, to discuss what it looks like to do just that on today's episode of The Ascent Podcast. I think that's where Jesus wants us to be. Instead of isolating ourselves, instead of accepting uh, sin around us, uh, what if we actually sought to transform the culture that's around us and kind of begin to just influence people with the love of Jesus and the values of Christianity uh, at home, at work, and in our circle of influence? I think that's where he wants us to actually live and breathe and, and make a difference. I am Britton Drown. Thanks as always for listening. Let's jump right in. Well, we're joined as always by Pastor Trent Stewart today as we sit down to talk about what it means to really live in and influence a culture that really just seems to be more bent against the traditional beliefs held by evangelical Christians. Pastor Trent, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for being here. Well, I wanted to begin here today just kind of asking you, what's like an example that you've seen recently in today's culture that just kind of shows a significant shift in, in the culture that we live in? Yeah, well, the week of September 13th, I uh, read an article um, about how Duke University's student government actually denied Young Life um, to be an official organization and ministry group on their campus uh, simply because of their policy on sexuality. And so I was uh, reading the article and Young Life's policy uh, states, and I quote, we do not in any way wish to exclude persons who engage in sexual misconduct or who practice a homosexual lifestyle from being recipients of the ministry of God's grace and mercy as expressed in Jesus Christ. We do, however, believe that such persons are not to serve as staff or volunteers in the mission and work of Young Life. And so the policy is stating that if you're engaging in essentially any kind of premarital sex, any kind of sexual misconduct, uh, that could be, you know, a guy and a girl, or it could be a same-sex relationship. But any type of, you know, misconduct outside of marriage essentially is their policy would, would disqualify them from serving. And so uh, that has um, led to the removal of them as a ministry at Duke. And so to me, when I read this, um, there are a lot of thoughts that go through my head. Um, and, and I think for a lot of Christians, you know, we get disappointed, we get angry, um, we, we probably say things like, well, you know, uh, they probably aren't doing this to, you know, another uh, religious group that's on their campus. It always kind of seems to be Christians who are targeted. And, and so I think when we hear that as Christians and as the church, it should lead us to think more clearly and to, and, and to begin to be more intentional about how we actually engage culture so that, you know, we can, we can, um, address this in a healthy way, and we can ensure that it doesn't continue to happen on other campuses across the country. It really is an interesting time to, to live in today's culture, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is the greatest country in the world. I think right now is the greatest time in the history of the world to ever be alive. Uh, I think it's incredible the opportunities that we have, the amenities that we have. Um, it's it's a fantastic um 
place to live, and yet we are facing some tension, and it's it's getting more and more difficult, and and things will begin to, to shift over the course of, of time. We know that's going to happen according to Scripture, and so uh, how are we going to deal with it? That's the question. Tension is the word I think you kind of hit on there. What What is it about that tension that kind of makes today maybe just a little bit more unique than other periods in history, and, and what should our response really be to that tension? Well, I mean, I think we face the same struggles that people in, in the past have faced. In fact, I think, you know, if you were to ask Paul what, what it was like to live as a Christian in his time frame, it would have been a totally different answer. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy for us to live out our faith today uh, in most cases. And so there are going to be, you know, moments at work on campuses and, and in different settings where what we believe is going to mean that maybe we don't get the promotion or maybe, you know, you don't get invited to the party or maybe, you know, you're not in a specific friend group. Um, so there are situations where we are going to face that um, pushback. But compared to history, like right now is a pretty good time to be a Christian. <laughs> so what are the options, you know, like living in today's culture, you know, there, there, there are practical ways to respond to that tension. What are some of those ways and some of those responses that people have that, that maybe you've seen? In, in, in yeah, life? absolutely. I think that, you know, one way is we just remove ourselves from culture. We just kind of withdraw. And, you know, this is, this is where the communities that, you know, go into the mountains like the monks and we're just going to, or you're, you're just somebody, you know, you you live in the city, but you just don't hang out with anybody who's not a Christian, who doesn't think like you, you don't let your kids around anybody that's not a Christian. And so you kind of put yourself in a Christian bubble and you just kind of withdraw from any kind of conversations that, you know, might be tense. Uh, then you've got another group of you know, maybe Christians that just kind of go along with culture. And I don't know if you would classify them as Christians because, you know, if you're just going to accept everything that culture throws at you and you're not going to stand for truth and, and you know, you just kind of go along with all the popular beliefs, then I, I don't even know if you can call yourself a Christian. But um, a lot of people that attend church will fall into that category. They just go along with it. Uh, you know, I see a lot of Christians that just kind of turn their nose up and look down at culture. And so they get on their high horse and, um, you know, they just rant and rave about how everybody in culture is just terrible and they're all going to hell. And, you know, this is the angry, you know, Twitter guy or the angry guy that's on the street corner with the bullhorn. So that doesn't help. <laughs> There's another option. And the, the, the other option is that we could actually influence it. And I think that's where Jesus wants us to be. Instead of isolating ourselves, instead of accepting uh, sin around us, uh, what if we actually sought to transform the culture that's around us and kind of begin to just influence people with the love of Jesus and the values of Christianity uh, at home, at work, and in our circle of influence? I think that's where he wants us to actually live and breathe and, and make a difference. Yeah, it's really the essence of what he calls us as Christians to do. It's the, the core of the Great Commission is to really influence culture and go and make disciples. Absolutely. It's helpful, too, to you know remember that, that God is sovereign over culture, too, and, and those who seem to be in control. So as we live in this tension, talk a little bit about what that means and how that should really kind of guide our, our perspective as Christians when, to, to really recognize that God is in control. Yeah, well, the, the sovereignty of God is a really big topic, and so we're not going to— uh, probably do justice to it right now. But I think the, the, the point that we want to make today is that no matter what's happening around us in our country, 
um, God is sovereign. And so he, he's actually in control of those who are in control. And so anytime a president is elected and we are freaking out or a congressman or a senator, or, you know, some, a new boss at work even, um, we, have to, we have to realize that God is, is in control. He has all authority and his plan is way bigger than any plan we could conceive of. And so uh, I think that's a... You know, and for me, it's like a, a rest and a faith and a trust that we say, okay, on the surface, this looks like the walls are falling down, the wheels are falling off, you know, this doesn't look good. Maybe it's not good, but I can trust as a follower of Christ, the reality that God is faithful. He's in control and uh, he, he's working things out in this culture and working things out, you know, in my life for his glory. And, and so I want to, I want to not freak out and I don't, I don't need to stress out and, and, and get into a worry fit. I need to slow down and realize that God's in control and uh, have faith in, in that plan. Really the book of Daniel is a fantastic example of, of what we're talking about today. Can you kind of just point us to maybe specifically his response to, to King Nebuchadnezzar and, and living in that time and in response to, to his rule? What, how is that an example of maybe how we should conduct our lives today as we find ourselves and maybe just a similar or kind of feel like a similar tension in our lives? Yeah. I mean, the, the book of Daniel is a great example of how, uh, we can influence culture around us. And, and when you think about the sovereignty of God, here, here's Israel, uh, or actually Judah, that was just conquered by the Babylonians. And they take, you know, 10,000 Israelites away to be slaves. And Daniel and a couple of, you know, a few of his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are part of that group. And, you know, everything that they had uh, going for them back in Judah, I mean, they had a, you know, they, they were young they were a part of, you know, some kind of royal type family. They were some kind of elevated family. They had, you know, uh, their futures ahead of them. Um, obviously, uh, they had a faith that was strong and they're ripped out of, you know, their home and they're placed into this foreign land where they don't worship God, where they are, you know, I mean, they are just really evil. And, uh, and, and so they're placed in this whole brand new world. You would, you would probably think, you know, if, if that were us, you know, if that were me, you know, it'd be kind of like taking me out of, you know, our town and putting me in the center of like Saudi Arabia or, you know, like Iraq or Iran. And, you know, now I have to like live under that king there or something. And, and you would think that would just be the most terrible thing. And I'm sure it was for them, but they're able to trust in the sovereignty of God and recognize that God is in control. It was God who led the Babylonians to discipline Judah in, 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 in the first place. And so here they are. And instead of just being angry, instead of just being, you know, getting on their high horse and just condemning everybody, Daniel actually finds a way to, to influence this new culture, this new community. And uh, it starts with essentially a, a diet issue. He's given this special education. He's given this special diet that was probably the best food the, the world has had ever seen at that point, but he refuses it because to eat it would have gone against God's uh, commands as far as diet in the Old Testament. And so um, instead of like getting angry and mad, he finds a way to, 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 to just ask, 
you know, and he just says, Hey, you know, what if, what if we did this? Would this be a big deal? You know, and can we just eat vegetables and, and, and drink water? And, you know, he's a teenager, he's probably 15, 16 years old. And so teenagers has never done this, right? Never just asked for vegetables, but here, here he is asking and, and they get, they give him a shot and they say, yeah, go for it. And we'll give you 10 days. And, and, uh, after those 10 days, he looked healthier than, uh, than the rest of the, the, the people there. And so that's just an example in this text where, you know, that decision and how he handled that brought him favor, uh, promotion, the king and everyone just kind of looked at this guy. I mean, he's different, right? And, and so I think that's what we're trying to learn when I look at the book of Daniel and I, when I look at this guy is because he's doing things differently and culture isn't turned off by him. They're intrigued by him. And it sounds a lot like another guy. <laughs> Jesus, right? I mean, this this is the essence of what it means to to be like Jesus is to um, love and and infuse you know this um, way of life where people want to be around you, and and I don't know, man, but I think if Christians today can learn more how to do this, um, you know, stand for truth in an ungodly time and, and hang with people who are in fact, um, far from God, maybe even living in sin, but there's just something different about us, the way that we handle that. We can show love as well as, you know, speak uh, truth from God's word. If we can learn how to do that, then, then we're becoming the salt and the light that Jesus is telling us to, to, to be. That's really good too. And you kind of see essence of, of this playing out. Um, in Daniel's time, but bringing it back today, it really feels like culture is trying to press on to us a a change in identity too. Why is that so important for us today, despite what we see in culture and in media, uh, to really stand firm on who we are in Christ? Yeah. In fact, in the life of Daniel, they actually changed his name. And that was, I think, part of trying to change their identity and bring them into this new Babylonian culture. And so we know Daniel by his Hebrew name, uh, but his Babylonian name that uh, he went by was Belshazzar. And his buddies, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they had Hebrew names as well. Uh, we don't, I don't know why we didn't actually stick with the Hebrew names, um, probably VeggieTales and Sunday School. But, um, you know, this name change, I think, was all a part of of beginning to change their identity and and get them to not only incorporate into culture, but actually just become a part of their culture. And so their, their new Babylonian names were in references to these new pagan gods versus their Hebrew names, which referred to Yahweh and the Hebrew God, our God, the God of all gods. And so in this name change, even in some scholars believe that Daniel's name specifically was changed um, from a male gender to a female gender. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk about this, um, but, you know, you can just kind of see how in a lot of respects they're trying to, you know, get these guys to forget about who they are and get them to accept a, a new version of themselves. And, and you see this in our culture today. I mean, you know, from doubting who you are, from not knowing who you are, to even doubting your sexuality. And, you know, all over TV, and there's so much online now about, you know, um, for, for young kids, like who are even doubting 
am, you know, you, you have a young man and he's doubting, am I a man? And, and, and these questions are flooded. Now, why would he even think about that? Why, why hasn't this been an issue in the past? And you can, you can just tell that the influence of culture all around us, it is everywhere. And so you take a, you take a young man who, you know, is confused, maybe doesn't have a, a solid male figure in his life. And of course he's going to have questions and of course he's going to doubt. And, and so there's going to be doubts and questions in every young person, uh, not just about sexuality, but about everything. And so that's what adults are there for, right? To help them through the confusing moments. Just because a kid is confused doesn't mean that you just say, okay, we'll go figure it out. No, we're supposed to guide that. And we, we guide that from, uh, from a biblical standpoint, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing who we are in, in, in understanding the God who created you. And so the more we can lean into our heavenly father who loves us and the more we can lean into uh, who he created us to be, the, the less confusing it is, the less confusing life is, the less confusing sexuality is, the less confusing everything is. So if there is confusion in our life, we know that that doesn't come from God because he's not a God of confusion. We know that that confusion comes from the enemy, comes from an, our own sin that is within. And so um, the, the more we can help people press into the gospel and the more we can help people press into the word of God, the more clarity they'll, they'll have. A great way too to kind of combat that confusion is just to make the decision up front. Yes. You know, that, that you're going to stand firm in your faith and stand firm in your principles and stand firm in your identity in Christ too. Well, absolutely. And one of my favorite verses in the entire book of Daniel is verse eight of chapter one, where it says that Daniel was resolved. And uh, he was resolved in the, and in, in that just simply meant that he was determined like he, he already made his mind up that he was not uh, going to compromise his faith. He was not going to reject, you know, his faith in God. He was going to live out his faith. This is who he was. And he was resolved to do that. And so I find that if I make the decision uh, beforehand, before I'm faced, you know, I'm toe to toe with that decision, the easier that decision is made. I think if I am resolved to be able to know, okay, even before I face this situation, I know what marriage is. I know that, you know, it is between a man and a woman. I, I'm, I'm resolved in that understanding. If I am resolved that I am, I am not going to cross the line of, of whatever sin uh, or, or situation, you know, I might face, I know how I'm going to respond. I know what I'm going to, you know, uh, live out. And so when I'm actually facing that decision, it's a lot easier. And so I think in, in Daniel's life, it just seems like, you know, he could have said, you know what, everyone is doing this around me. Everybody's enjoying this food. I might as well, you know, my parents aren't around. Remember, he's a teenager. Religious leaders aren't around. They're far away. So I can, I can partake. I, I can do this. Nobody's going to know. We're in a foreign land. We're, not, we're so far from home. No harm, no foul, right? I might as well do this. Well, absolutely, you know, there are consequences. No matter if your parents know or if your wife knows or anyone, uh, if it's wrong in the eyes of God, then it's, it's wrong and it's harmful to you. And so I think the reason why he's able to stand up, Daniel, 
was able to stand up in this moment, and and we're, you, you see it all throughout uh, the book of Daniel, is that uh, he was resolved. He he was ready. He knew what the truth was, and in the moment, he'd already made the decision uh, to honor God, and and he wasn't going to compromise that. Yeah, it's definitely clear through all this that that God really does use culture to test our faith, and, and that really kind of puts the ball in our court to, to ask the question, how big is our God? Yeah. And that's yeah. really kind of the essence of, of what this all boils down to, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one of um, my mentors, Pastor Chris Hodges, he, he says in his book, The Daniel Dilemma, he says, do you want to be right or do you want to be righteous? And his point is, you know, in our attempt to influence our friends and our family, we can, if, if our goal is to be right, then... All we're going to do is argue our point, and that's when faces get red, voices get red, and, you know, we end up arguing with people, and we end up getting upset, and we end up ultimately pushing people away from the church or pushing people away from uh, biblical truth. Uh, But if my goal is to be righteous, then, hey, in this conversation, I want to show love. I want to be able to, you know— identify and uh, understand where you're coming from, I want to be able to empathize with your situation. You obviously hold, you know, your understanding of whether it's abortion or um, same-sex attraction or whatever political viewpoint you have. You obviously have come to that based on your family, your situation, things that you've gone through. So I want to you know, my goal is to listen to that person, hear from them, put myself in their shoes um, and not demean them. That's not always an easy thing to do. Um, And if you're not reading about how to do this, and if you're not thinking about how to do this, chances are you're not going to do this because it's it's definitely not a, a natural thing. Some people are better at it than others, but if my attempt or my goal is to be righteous, then I want to show love as I speak truth, you know, and so I say, you know what, I understand, you know, what you're saying and I can see why you might believe that. And, and here's just what I see in the New Testament. And that's why I hold this position. And, you know, I want to be able to respect people. And if I want to influence them, then I say, you know what, I respect your opinion on this. If you want to talk more about this, let's get back together. If you ever have a change of heart or you ever have a doubt, I'm always here to have further conversations and leave that door open so that we can continue to have important, robust dialogue. That's super encouraging and super applicable to to today's times. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the next uh, couple of podcasts really being more about culture and more about how we can influence it. And so thanks so much for listening and tuning in. Please share this uh, with your friends and uh, rate the show. We would definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. And, And next time that we visit, we will continue this conversation and talk about what it looks like when you have a truly bold faith and how, how that bold faith can really transform culture around you. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and drop us a rating or review. Ratings and reviews truly do help us just to expand this resource and and reach more people. Thanks as always for listening.